I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, no particular album this week, because frankly, there's too many to talk about. The artist, Gerard Hoffnung, and my guest this week, uh, should I call you Ben or Benedict? Do you go uh, by Ben? Ben is great. Is yeah. Ben Hoffnung. Thank you so much for being here. It's, it's my pleasure, Jason. Listeners to my show, who I, I still think are mostly American, uh, if you've been listening for a long time, you heard me speak with David Melville of the Independent Shakespeare Company in Los Angeles about Hoffnung at the Oxford Union. It, it was delightful. And so therefore, every time I've seen one of your father's records, I have picked one up. Although, oh, these are the same record. Hilarious. Okay, so I only have four. I lied earlier when I said I had five. Um, but I pick and I pick them up. But half of the reason I picked them up is because of the distinctive uh, autograph and the distinctive drawings. Yeah, indeed. If, yeah. I love what's on them. But boy, oh boy, this it's so beautiful. Let's let's get into it. Um he passed away when you were only four. I mean, he was so, so young. He was, man. he was uh, 34 years old. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, he, I have a sister. He was only one when he, well, he was barely yeah. one when he died. Yeah. And I was four. And, but I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, as a young boy, uh, you know, surrounded by, you know, the le his legacy. And mm -hmm. it was quite a huge legacy because it wasn't, it, it, it comprised of so many different things. And there were his radio broadcasts some of which I'm sure you have in front of you. Yeah. Um, there were uh, his drawings. I mean, he was really, I think if people, if I had to say, what what did my father do? Mm -hmm. I mean, he did all kinds of things, but he was really a, a professional cartoonist. Mm -hmm. That was his kind of job. But right. that it was that that turned, it was really his cartoons that, that started coloring his life generally and plenty of other people's lives as well. And he was, he, he, uh, for instance, you know, his musical cartoons became real concerts, very uh -huh. unusual concerts, which were staged in, in London um, mm -hmm. in the 1950s, mm -hmm. in that sort of period of uh, post-war austerity, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. These were just like a, a, a breath of fresh air, which, 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 which uh, I think, in fact, the, 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 um, the first Hoffman concert, when it was announced, it... Um, it was sold out so very quickly that we were told, or I think my uh, my mother tells me that that uh, the the tickets sold faster than the the previous Liberace concert. Which oh my God! Taken place a week before or something. That's you know, impressive. Yeah, it's quite impressive. Oh my God! So, walk me through what that means. How does a cartoon become a concert? I, this is the stuff that's hurting my brain a little bit, and I need you to walk me through this. Well, it's hard, really, uh, Jason, to walk you through anything if you haven't got the <laughs> cartoons in front of you. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, broadly speaking, uh, I think from a very uh, from a very young age, though uh, you know Gerald wasn't um, he wasn't a he never became a professional musician as such. He he achieved um, a very high standard on his chosen instrument, which mm -hmm. was tuba. Okay, so he, he was a serious tuba player. But as a young boy, he played the saxophone, he played the drums. And this, of course, was in this was in pre-war, pre-Second World War Berlin. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a very small boy, um, Gerard, his father and his mother had to leave Berlin because he was Jewish and they, he, he was uh, from a Jewish family. Mm -hmm. uh, though they weren't religious Jews. They mm -hmm. were 
they came from that background and of course, and of course berlin was an incredibly cosmopolitan place in those days mm -hmm. and uh, they had to kind of because hitler was um you know just walking down the road yeah uh, in fact my my father's uh, um uh, nursery school uh is his uh his kindergarten was actually next door to heinrich himmler's house holy <laughs> god yeah but anyway that was a stroke of luck there's a wonderful story actually um how uh um my father was 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 uh, you know playing uh, football one day in the in the playground and somehow rather the either he or one of his friends kicked the ball too hard and it went over the fence into Himmler's garden and uh, I know this all sounds completely bizarre yeah but uh and there was a German guard uh, and they and, and and they are the children asked the guard if he would return the ball by you know chucking it over the fence uh -huh. uh, and he he refused uh but at the end of the day the ball did actually find its way back into the the playground wow but anyway, not, he, he, <laughs> sorry, I just I wasn't surprised that it didn't come back at at some point, but that he refused. Uh, Nazis not known for their kindness, but boy, oh boy, wow, that is a fright. That, that, I was scared the whole time. I'll be honest with you, just scared the whole time he told me the story. Well, I mean, just just briefly, I mean, he uh, uh -huh. he, he he then came with his family, who were luckily they were you know they they were able just to you know they were they were able to leave without without too many problems. I mean, yeah. I. You know, they they could actually, and they shipped all their stuff to oh, wow. uh, to London mm -hmm. and uh, arrived in thirty, it was either thirty eight or it was just really quite shortly before the war yeah. started. And uh, wow. you know, they they settled in a, a very nice part of London, and uh, you know, and Gerard became a sort of um, a, 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 over the years became a, an Englishman. Really, I think yeah. whether he, whether he consciously turned his back on. Um, what must have been a very disturbing part of his life, you know, sure. you can imagine, um, uh, or, or whether or not he just really liked the way that the uh, the English did things. I mean, he became a very a, an Englishman, almost you could say, a quintessential Englishman. He wore right. a jacket, he smoked a pipe, sure, he for long walks. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he was a. I would love very much to have got got to have known him a little bit more well, yeah. I, i'd love to have known him full stop really but sure. you know, when, when you're four you don't really you don't really know which questions to what questions to ask of course mm. my goodness and mm. then to be I, I i have to say like every time i read something more about him or remember even just remember the first time i heard this yeah. um first of all just look at his Wikipedia. It may be briefer than it should be, but it still shows a life packed. A 34 years of did so much. So, yeah. so much was packed in. And yeah. then also, when I listened to this record for the first time, does not sound like a 34-year-old man in the least. He no. sounded like he had lived. And I got to say, I look up to that. <laughs> well, I think you're right. And he did He did have, uh, he had this, uh, this I mean, I think the, the voice that he put on... Uh, mm. On a lot of those interviews and things was, I think it was, it was. I don't think he he didn't speak like that all the time. Okay, fair but, enough. But, but at the same, but but he was, you know, that that voice was an extension of his character most definitely. Mm -hmm. And and also, you know, his cartoons mm -hmm. were very. Um, well, <clears throat> he started out, I think, as a as a schoolboy. He went to Highgate School, which is uh, which is uh, a well known private school in in London mm -hmm. uh, for boys. Uh, and he, I think, from a from he, he was a 
he was really quite a bit of a troublemaker from the very beginning. Um, I mean, everybody liked him, but he was he was unable he was unable to conform in the sort of way that that most children did. Sure, you know, and and I think I think the uh, I think the uh, the uh, the headmaster eventually found this almost too much. I mean, my mother wrote a wonderful uh, biography, um, simply called I think simply called Gerald Hoffman. I've got a copy here somewhere. I'm not sure where I put it. Um, uh, and uh, it, it goes if you know if anybody's interested in knowing knowing more about Gerard in detail. You know, my mother knew him better than anybody, obviously. Sure, sure. And uh, you know, she wrote this absolutely wonderful biography, and all these all the all the details of him and his the sort of man he was, the sort of things he liked to do. Uh, I mean, he was a very kind man. He would, that, I think that was the thing about his humour. Mm -hmm. This to me is the key thing about Gerard Hoffman. His humour was not at anybody else's expense. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the way most people, you know, so many comedians uh, today work, it's all, um, I mean, some are, some, are, some are meaner than others, mm -hmm. but even the nice ones, <laughs> you know, they're often uh, laughing at somebody else. Sure. Or, or making a joke out of some, my father never did that. Right. He never, he, there was ne never any, there was no malice at all. It was just, it was very, very human, very warm humor and all his pictures he, you know even though all sorts of all his cartoons all the all the all the funny things that happen in these drawings mm -hmm. um they're all sort of nobody's having a bad time really right or, everyone is sort of uh, i mean a lot of people in the in, in the drawings are, are are perplexed but they're not actually they're not being um uh, bullied um laughed at um sure. unless uh, they might be, they might be, actually, they might be being laughed at, but it would only be in a very, you know, um, benevolent way. If you know yeah. What I mean. Yeah, of course. And uh, that's, that's something I appreciate tonally because there's often, you know, people can have all the debates they want about comedy, but you know, I've made my preferences known. I prefer comics who do not punch down. You know, yeah. I prefer a punch up. Yeah. Um, uh, the best comics uh, just go back. You know, there are people who also will profess. I love old comedy. Why don't they do comedy like they did? Well, the Marx Brothers were well known for only punching up. So just please keep that in mind the next time you try and defend some weirdo by saying they're. You know what I mean? It's th this is the kind of stuff that that drives me insane. And I, I, gosh, these are just they're beautiful. They are. It was he. The, the thing is, you've got these these records. These weren't yep. records that were released mm -hmm. by him. Right. Yeah. And these were records that have been released. From the fragments yeah. that he left behind, yeah. So a lot of them will be will be reissues of old reissues, sure. of re because there was a very limited amount of stuff. For instance, yes, there is very very little um, film of Gerard. Uh -huh. There are only one or two, or possibly three, little short little bits. There's a movie tone um, recording that lasts, or is it a Pathé News uh, that lasts about. 30 seconds of him rehearsing one of his royal oh festivals or concerts uh -huh. and there is a and then there is another um a little interview about uh so he made some lifelike figures to stretch from one uh, uh, that was suspended from the roof of the royal albert hall in london wow. and uh, for the chelsea arts ball mm -hmm. and uh, you know he was he was interviewed there and he's he's standing there um, it, 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 you know, with a pipe, with a, a pipe in his mouth. Sure. And the, and the guy interviewing him has also got a pipe in his mouth. I mean, <laughs> people smoked pipes in those days. Sure. 
That's the most English thing I've ever heard, though. That now, is, uh... I, think people, I think probably people smoke pipes all over the world, actually, but somehow or other people must have perhaps per head smoked more pipes. I don't, I don't know. I don't yes. know for sure. You know, and his picture on Wikipedia, the second anybody pulls it up, of course, is him smiling wryly, putting a brow up, and, and, and he's got a pipe in his mouth, because of course he does. It's great. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, do have, I do have his his collection of pipes. You do? Okay. In a very, very large box, because he collected pipes. He had, okay. he had probably scores of them. Wow. Wow. Can you think of uh, this? Is not something I know anything about. But does he have like a class, like a meerschaum, like any like? There are great, there like, are one or two meerschaums. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There are lovely, some of those lovely old Swiss ones, you know, with sure. tassels on and great big. Um, yeah. And and sort of porcelain bowl, you know, porcelain. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, ends and uh, but I think most of the time he just had a good old you know little, mm-hmm. little pizza or something in his mouth. That's that's going to be a museum piece someday. I just feel like a, all of his pipes would be a fantastic thing to see in a case. <laughs> that's well, fascinating. I mean, um, the, the 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 we're very. My mother was incredibly was meticulous. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, starting even earlier, Gerard's mother mm-hmm. uh, in Berlin was meticulous about because he was drawing uh, from a very very early age. Okay. So I think he started when he was about three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and she thought um, she recognised his talent, mm-hmm. and she kept all his drawings. Oh my so god! We have all his childhood drawings as uh, which which are uh, archived. Thank God. Um, okay. And we also have, we're, and of course, we have all his adult. Well, we have probably probably ninety percent, more than ninety percent of all the work he produced, which is considerable. We, yeah. my mother, my mother. Never let anything, you know. I think some people, I mean, um, we 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 know. For instance, we we uh, my father. In fact, my father um, met um, met my mother at, at another uh, uh, via another artist called uh, who you might you might have heard of because he was a a, a a comical artist. He was called Roland Emmett, and I don't know if you remember. And he designed all mm. those. machines in those magnificent men in their flying machines oh you know know, they're like cars with wings Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and he he also was a was a very successful cartoonist Mm -hmm. Uh, and in fact mm, uh, he met my mother Mm -hmm. who happened to be uh, around at ronan emmett's house that's how they met Mm -hmm. and in fact you know i know roland emmett's wife she didn't didn't keep any of his cartoons. You know, he'd submit submit them to all the the periodicals, the magazines, the newspapers. But whether or not they came back, apparently, wasn't of much concern. My, my mother, uh, or my father, first of all, you know, he 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 valued his own work. I mean, he didn't want to lose his own work, so he would have kept it. Mm-hmm. But my mother then archived and kept absolutely everything, uh, which is so lucky for us because it's yeah. uh, you know it, the, all the drawings exist in the form of an exhibition. That has, in fact, over the years been round the world. Wow! And um, it's now sort of, as it were, uh, wrapped very safely in not exactly mothballs, but it hasn't been out for probably, well, getting on for 
probably about seven or eight years. Mm -hmm. And but there is a lot of excitement, as I think em, my sister Emily might have mentioned to you, in that we are launching this digital archive, this website. Yeah. I was wondering, she had mentioned, and I was, can I tell you how many people I've interviewed who are like, yeah, I don't really have anything of my parents. And when I hear that, my heart sinks. And to hear everything you've just told me, you've just, this close to finishing the podcast, by the way, this close to being done doing the show, it's so nice to hear that you have as much as you do. Yeah, well, we, we, we really do have a lot. And uh, once it's out there, which, mm. which we're hoping will be at the very beginning of the month, next month, uh -huh. um, we'll send you all the, the, the information and um, you know, enjoy it and, and please. please circulate it because a lot of people will really in, enjoy it very much, I think. You know, we've yeah. taken great trouble, trouble to, uh, to, uh, to have all the images um, photographed at, at an extremely high resolution. That's and uh, so that people can actually click on uh, pretty much everything and anything and, and see it really very, very clearly on their screen. There's lots of biographical material too. Mm -hmm. and there's lots of archival stuff. There are some little, there's, there are some podcasts. Um, I will also send you the, the link. Um, recently, um, a friend of ours and another comedian that you might know called Matt Lucas. Yeah. Um, Matt um, has, has just done a wonderful podcast about Gerard and has oh. gone into all the sort of uh, the details of why he was funny, who he, who, who, um, who was influenced by him. And his conclusion yeah. was that pretty much everybody was influenced by him, even if it was only subconsciously. The, the fact is, you know, at the time when the goons were just emerging, mm -hmm. Gerard died. Yeah. So um, it, was very, it, was, it was very unfortunate, actually. Because he was, he was, you know, he was a, he was a, he was a blossoming flower, about and about to climb. I don't know what he'd have ended up doing had he not died so young. Yeah. But he would have been doing all. I mean, he, he'd already made an impact. But when somebody is, is, uh, you know, dies so young, it just seems it's a bit like, you know, it, 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 it's terrible. And yet at the same time, he managed to leave quite a lot behind him. I mean, yeah. a bit like, um, you know, a bit. I mean, Mozart wrote so much, so much music. Uh, and yet he was only 36 when he died. A lot of the great c c composers, uh, the great European classical composers, they all died young. They all died in poverty. They all were kind of, not actually, they didn't all die in poverty. But <laughs> sure. People didn't live a long time. And I think actually in, when people are sort of wringing every ounce of uh, energy and creativity and they have such a strong they're so motivated they have such a strong direction i think no matter who they are i mean some people are very lucky and get through it but other people it's almost like they've they've given so much mm -hmm. that, that's kind of it really they just yeah. go out in a puff of smoke because it's all happened so it's all happened so quickly really yeah. and i think and of course i don't know if that's the, one cannot say that that's the case with anybody but um, certainly my father achieved a tremendous amount in his very short life. I mean, if if nothing else, I mean, to talk from the record perspective, if he only released, if I saw two, maybe three during his life, technically came out during his life, uh, and then the rest. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. And the rest are posthumous. That's an extensive posthumous set of releases. So much work just sitting there waiting to come out. Have you listened to the, I think, some of my favorite recordings and I believe on that the, there's my, my, I think the the the, uh, the album that I recommend is called A Last Encore. Uh -huh. You might have that. I don't know if you've got that there. Let me no, see I, if I do or not. It's I do released, not. I think it's a CD. Um, 
uh, it, it was a, available as a compact disc, and it mm-hmm. you can probably download it on Spotify now or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, uh, that features, along with the the Oxford Union, um, uh, a, a lot of wonderful in, in interviews with a with a Canadian journalist who was a friend mm-hmm. of my father's who lived in London, and they used to go to the BBC, I think, once a week, mm-hmm. and they used to, used to just chat the two of them. They were a double act, and my father was the mad, <laughs> was was the crazy guy, and. Um, uh, Charles Richardson was the um, was the sort of straight guy. Yeah, <laughs> and oh quite quite honestly, you need to listen to that stuff because it's uh-huh. I, it's it's truly timeless. I love it. It's very very funny and uh, it's wonderful. Uh, you know, even I when I listen to it again, you know, and I don't listen to this stuff very much as you sure. said. My, you know, I don't need I don't need to. But if I do happen to listen to the Charles Richardson interviews. I mean, they are so absurd. Yeah, they are. They, I, I couldn't recommend them more highly. And you know, it, everything is everything is is online or available. Um, uh, you know, to you can either you know, you know what it's like with these things. Um, the trouble is that over the years, there's so much stuff online mm-hmm. that um, people can access. But unfortunately, none of it. You know, so much of it is not very well laid out, and that's why we wanted to do what we've done with the with the website and 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 actually give everybody the proper Hoffnung story and yeah. you know, not just little snippets of you know who is this crazy guy who drew cats and tubers <laughs> and, and uh, frogs and violinists and people carrying their own pianos around and all the hundreds of, of, of crazy things he did and drew um, it's all very convoluted on the on the internet sure because it's just people and a lot of people who are fans of done little kind of little tributes and little kind of mini websites and uh there's nothing there that we feel um is really kind of worthy of 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 all that wonderful material so that's what that's why we we we've thought that you know if no if we don't do it nobody probably will so sure we've now done it we're just tying up the little the little loose ends and as i say hopefully at the end of uh, november um we'll be ready to go i'm very excited the beginning the beginning beginning of of november yes right what what was the presence of these records in your in your house growing up though? Was this something your mother wanted to play for you kids? I, I I'd love to know when you first discovered these even existed. Uh, I think not so much from my mother. I think more from uh, more from uh, friends of family friends. I think my I think when my father died. I mean, my father and my mother between them had lots of wonderful friends. You can imagine they were they were you know they were they were young, they were thirty year old. Uh, couple in in London. My father sure. being successful. My mother was a was charming. Uh, Gerald was charming too. He he made a lot of friends, um, and um, of course when he died, I mean everybody was absolutely stunned. Uh, it was a terrible terrible shock, uh, and um, a lot of you know I heard stories about you know Gerald about my father from so many people. You know, people used to just tell me stories. Your father this, your father that. Oh, you should. My mother at the time she said, I mean, even very recently before she died of three years ago. My mother, she was ninety-four. Mm-hmm. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful woman. Um, and she used to say, you know, sometimes when she was, you know, we'd be sitting quietly together, you know, and um, she'd say, you know, Ben, I do wish you'd met your father properly. Yeah. I do wish you'd known your. I forget. I do wish you'd known your father. Yeah, I think you should say because it was obviously when you're four, as I as I said earlier, you can't really Mm-mm. get the measure of somebody. 
I mean, lots of his things were in the house, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, he, he uh, his funny his, his instruments, lots of tubers. There was a foghorn in the in the hallway. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, there were all sorts of these. Uh, in fact, in my nursery, I had a I had a, 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 a very large orchestral bass drum, which my father had picked up off uh, off the back of a skip uh -huh. uh, in Regent Street, where, where the old Boozy and Hawks uh, showroom was. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he brought it home, and, and I absolutely loved this drum. And uh -huh. in fact, it was that, actually. That is one direct influence, I suppose, my father had, because, because I am now a timpanist and a percussionist. And that was probably, if my father hadn't bought that bass drum into the, uh, into, into the house when I was three, who knows, mm. I might not have developed a, 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 a lifelong uh, um, interest uh, in playing percussion and timpani and things. So I was uh, hoping you would say bass drum, frankly, just because of this. I was hoping that's what you were going to say. <laughs> well, isn't that guy great? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. That That's beautiful. I mean, th th there were these touches of him around. It might be inevitable, but there are people who, you know, maybe can't deal with it and would take all traces of the person out who, who was gone because yes, that's not uncommon. So, um, yeah, I mean, how, how lucky to have at least those bits and have her stories uh to to get you know his life from her in some way yeah yeah do you how, how many of these records do you think you've heard number one well i think i've probably heard most of the stuff you know okay the, uh, mm -hmm. all the, the concerts you know they've been, been recorded i think you know the concerts are, are wonderful and uh but you know they were i i feel they were of a time um sure that's not to say people haven't done them since and, and continue to do them really. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, but, but it's, but it, it's not quite the same as having, you know, the, 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 the man there himself or indeed, you know, cause all the guys and the, even the people that he used to work with, I mean, most well, everyone's dead now, you know, because it was, it was a lot because they, you know, they'd all be in their nineties now. Yeah. And, um, uh, so I, I feel in a way, but, uh, so that that and what I'm trying to say is, for me, mm. what I remember and what I continue to love are the drawings. Yeah, uh, which are just um, you know, which are, which are miraculous. You, we, you talk about the records. Uh, uh, um, I don't listen to the records or the cassette. Or the, they were cassettes, and then then they were compact discs. Mm -hmm. And then, well, you know, well, the, the whole recording industry is in, in in a very different place now. But you can you know, people who want to. Google Jared Hoffman can stream all sorts of things. So it's all mm -hmm. great. Everything's kind of available for those who want to listen. And um, I would only say listen to the Charles Richards interviews, uh, Charles Richardson, because they are uh, they are very funny. And there are lots of other things. There's also there's also a wonderful uh, this podcast that uh, the uh, that Matt Lucas um, made, which is a long podcast. With, he made it with two other comedians, and they are discussing forensically Jared Hoffnung, which is quite interesting. I mean, it's extremely interesting. Mm -hmm. And in fact, another uh, uh, comedian, um, Harry Enfield, who's a friend of ours, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's also done various things. And, uh, and uh, uh, not all that long ago, um, uh, another comedian, comedian, Jack D for the BBC, did a did a documentary about the bricklayer, about that particular Oxford Union speech, mm -hmm. which is very interesting. And what else? And oh yeah, and Matt Lucas 
took part in a play on BBC Radio 4 right. called Drawn to Music, which mm. uh, is is also very good, in which he plays Gerald Hoffman. In fact, Matt, both Matt and Harry can both, are the only people I know who can do real Gerald Hoffman impersonations. Very, very close to the real thing. And they, yeah. all, think he, they, they, they all think he was wonderful. And um, uh, and I think he affected, he, 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 he affected them all. Just, just as, as all the great comedians have, have, uh, have affected, um, you know, their, their legacy, you know, continues to, 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 uh, to, um, you know, encourage and mould younger comedians, uh, yeah. into, who then develop their own styles. You know, that's that's how it is, really. Out of what part of his life did the sort of storytelling, bordering on stand-up thing happen? What, how did the, that uh, come? That, that, that is a very interesting question. Uh, I don't know. I think. You know, he was a. I mean, he used to. He used to go and talk. I think. He must have discovered that he liked talking um, to to people, perhaps, and that he also made people laugh. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he did. Um, uh, I can't. I can't think of any particular example. Uh, oh, he, he also used to love going to horror films. Mm -hmm. And he uh, and you know my you know my mother and you know and they'd be going to sort of uh, you know the old black and white you know films of the fifties and possibly you know he loved Boris he was a great Boris Karloff fan mm -hmm. and um, um, oh uh, Jack Palance he thought was amazing oh sure uh, and all these you know he had he was he uh, my mother says they used to go if, occasionally he'd drag her off to a horror film and when they got back home. Um, he would spend the rest of the evening being one of the central characters in the horror film. Oh no! <laughs> oh my God! I love <laughs> it. So you can imagine he was—he was—he uh, was a larger-than-life character to have, a, have a around. He—he, he, um, I think he—I think he—he um, he loved being at home. He was—he was—he was definitely a, a family man. Mm -hmm. um, he loved—he enjoyed his food. Um, in fact, when he first, when he uh, when he first when he um, before he met my mother, he used to uh, he used to live in the house where, in fact, they they subsequently lived in uh, when they were married. When he when he first got that house, mm -hmm. um, and his mother had died, his his parents had both died. He was on his own, but for a uh, he had an old German housekeeper called whom he used to refer to, and who my mother used to refer to uh, as Old Marie. Mm -hmm. Old Marie did absolutely everything for him. I think she, you know, she would have done all his laundry, ironed his shirts. I don't, I don't know if she polished his shoes because I think he actually enjoyed he enjoyed his shoes very much. I think he polished his own shoes, but you know, so and he had a housekeeper because uh -huh. in those days, kind of, some people did. I know it seems very odd these days, but he had his. Own, it was just him and his. And she must have been. I mean, if he was, you know, in his twenties, she, she would have been in her fifties, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but she did did for him, as they say. And uh, I think when, when my mother arrived, it was almost too much for the housekeeper to have, you know, another woman in that in the house. Mm -hmm. So she left, and my mother sort of, I think, must have taken over that role. But certainly, they entertained a great deal. And uh, I think the Hoffman, I think dinner with the Hoffnums would have been a, a, one, a pretty wonderful thing to mm -hmm. have been able to go to. My uh, goodness. Yeah, I can't imagine.
<laughs> I, I can't really. Well, I can imagine, actually. <laughs> I think it would have been fairly riotous. And um, uh, I would love to know, do you have any particular favorite pieces of art of his? And I'm uh, hoping you will own one of them. Or more. Well, we've got, I have, we have all of them, actually. Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I don't have very much on the wall. A couple of things. Um, okay. Um, I'm trying to give you an example of some of his non-musical. Um, uh, uh, I'm thinking of a, my my mother, m my wife. Um, my, my mother gave to my wife a few years ago. Uh, my, my my wife is a very very keen gardener and a horticulturalist, and my mother gave a, gave to, to my wife a picture of uh, a lovely picture of a very sweet old lady in her greenhouse, mm -hmm. surrounded by all her plants and cacti and, sh and all sorts of lovely, lovely uh, plants. Uh, but this is, she, is, she is giving one of her tulips a drink out of a glass through a straw. So in other words, the straw is coming out of the glass into the tulips, into the tulip head. And, uh, and it's, but it's the expression this woman has got on her face. It's uh -huh. just so nice. I wish I could show you. That is one of hundreds and hundreds of pictures he did. Most of his cartoons are musical because mm. he loved music. And he used to draw, he drew musicians and musical instruments. And sometimes you never really knew where the musical instrument ended and the musician began mm -hmm. and vice versa. But in fact, the records are the records. They are there. There, there is a num quite a lot of recorded material. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's the uh, it's the uh, it, it, it's uh, you know it, uh, from those records, it is the uh, it's the spoken word, probably more than the the musical the musical humor that that does it that does it for me. Yeah. Um, Do and, you have a particular favorite piece amongst the the spoken word pieces? Uh, well, I think the Charles Richardson interviews probably, and yeah. just him, he just talks, he just rambles on, you know for for hours about all kinds of things mm -hmm. uh, and um in this in this very with this very you know pronounced voice you mm -hmm. once, once you've heard that voice you you don't really forget it it couldn't really be anybody else <laughs> right right or uh, except for maybe maybe it's matt lucas and you might not know about well that. exactly <laughs> and it's absolutely true matt is, is a great impersonator but you should you should listen you might be interested to listen to the that that Oh, you can't because it's it's not available at the moment. We we oh, okay. else will, but but you what you will enjoy being interested in, in comedy uh, uh, is 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 the the dissection of Gerald Hoffman by Matt Lucas and some other um, very in the know um, British comedians who just that's exciting. Take him, take him, and actually point out that in fact. Well, I, rather than me try and you know blow Gerald's trumpet, you should listen to what Matt has to say. Mm -hmm. because it is fascinating the way his humour is sort of spread into the into the uh, the sort of collective um, comedy memory of, of of this country. Really, yeah, With a lot of people. You know, it's not so. It's now because Gerald's been dead for so long, and a lot of the people who listen to his stuff are also no longer with us. Sure. But it's trickled down in through families. It has trickled down quite a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, you know there still is a, a definite consciousness of his stuff. You know, um, and I think, you know, our hope is that it, we we will simply we will we will just bring it to the fore again because it it deserves to be uh, it deserves to be 
um, reissued, I think. Yeah. Probably for want of a better word, really. There, there are times when I've interviewed uh, people who, uh, you know, have grown up with uh, famous folks or whose folks were famous, but, you know, passed away before they could get to know them. Um, I, usually the question, uh, you know, usually somebody's spoken to them or they've been around long enough, they can ask, yeah. I can ask them, hey, were they concerned with their legacy? And I do wonder if, if he had a concern for his legacy and what do you think, I mean, you have so many avenues is that the legacy of man who just did a billion things and hears everything? Like, I feel like that, you know, is that the way to do him justice? Uh, I think he was so, I, I think he didn't expect to die. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think, having said that, I think he used to talk to, to my mother and uh, and I think one of the things he did say to her, so my mother tells me, and I don't think it's in any way as a genuine premonition as to his early, his early death, but he did say to her that um, if anything happens to me, don't worry, because we have our friends, mm -hmm. which are, you will have our friends. Yeah. I mean, whether he was saying that it, it was a it was a it was a strange thing to say in, in many respects, bearing in mind what happened. But mm -hmm. I don't think he said that with any real thought that he was going to die so quickly and so suddenly, mm -hmm. so soon. That's the most gentle way to deal with that subject as well. I mean, it does seem to go along with everything else you've said about him and his drawings and his humor. You yeah. know, just a gentle human being. Yeah, he was. He was. He was. He, and he was also a. He was. A, he used to go and one of the things he used to do seriously. Uh, he used to go and visit prisoners, mm -hmm. in in some of the roughest prison prisons in London. And what one of the wonderful things was that when he died, my mother received an enormous amount of letters from all the prisoners who he, who he and some of these wow. were, were pretty hard guys, you know, yeah. probably the odd murderer, you know, sure. And, and, and uh, um, you know, they were, that they went, apparently when he used to go and see them, he just, he was just, there was no, there were no issues. Yeah. He was just very happy to go and chat to them. And he did on a very regular basis. Wow. He also was a Quaker. He, he became he became oh. a Quaker. I don't know if you know. I don't know in America if you know if you have. Do you have Quakers in America? We we do, but it, I I think it's even less common than, yes. than there. He became a Quaker uh, with my mother, um, uh, and uh, used to go to, uh, to to Quaker meeting most Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, he drew some wonderful cartoons <laughs> of the Quaker meeting in progress. Which, uh, which, which are very, which are very, just little observations of people that he, mm -hmm. who were, who used to go to the meeting. Um, so that's that's interesting. I would have loved to have asked him these questions. Sure. Um, uh, uh, and it, it interests me that you know he he uh, he grew up in this. In, in, you know, his mother obviously. I don't know a great deal about his father. His father was quite a sort of uh, was a, was quite a successful banker actually, and mm. uh, you know they they were. You know, they didn't really, Hoffmans didn't really want for anything. And they lived in a smart part of Berlin in a very big house, which I went to visit visit um, about six or seven years ago. My wife and I, we went to, uh, spent a, had a few days in Berlin, which was just great. I love Berlin. Mm -hmm. and we, went to, we went and I'd never seen his house. And we went to find his house. And it was a very, very huge house, which had been <laughs> turned into apartments. Oh, wow. Um, uh, so, you know, they they obviously did well. Mm -hmm. Hoffman's and um, you know well, what a what 
back, you know, Berlin was not the place to be in the 30s. Sure. It had to be, had anything to do with being Jewish, which yeah. you know, he did. Um, and, uh, it, but it's odd that, you know, he, you know, when, well, it's not odd, it's probably very understandable that, when, you know, when he, he came to England, and as I said, he went to a very English school, he became, you know, very English. My mother is, you know, Church of England English. Uh, mm -hmm. They became Quakers together because I think it was a religion that they could both uh, sort of share. Sure. My mother was, was a Quaker up until she died, you know. Wow. My, my sister still goes to Quaker meeting, you know, because it's very, it's a very good, it's a very good, if you're going to, if you're going to believe in anything, um, it, it's a very good way to do the believing, I think, because mm -hmm. it really cuts to just the very, the, it's very honest. Mm -hmm. It doesn't profess, it doesn't profess anything that isn't, you mm -hmm. know, as you could, uh, it's, it's the sort of antithesis to the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, it, you know, it welcomes everybody. And I think that's probably why he felt that that was it was an organizer. The Quakers were somewhere he could go. Uh, and th there was also a Quaker meeting, you know, five minutes walk around the corner from where, mm -hmm. where they lived. So it was practical as well. Uh, have you ever performed any any of these pieces that? Uh, yeah, I have done. Like, yeah, I have. Um, I, I I conducted. Uh, um, I don't know if you know about uh, the, the English the British composer Malcolm Arnold. Mm -hmm. But he was I know a, the name. Yeah, he 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 was one of the, you know, the late twentieth century sort of composers successes, mid to late, I would say. He he died actually probably fifteen years ago, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. uh, but he wrote lots of great symphonies. He wrote all sorts of pieces. Uh, he wrote lots of mu film music. Uh, so he was a you know film composer as well. But he also he also was a friend of my father's, and so he wrote pieces for my father, you know, yeah. for the concerts. I mean, re really good pieces. I mean, there's one called the Grand Grand Overture, which is for a massive symphony orchestra. But the soloists uh, are, are play uh, floor polishers. So instead of playing, there being a a, 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 a a quartet of singers or instrumentalists, there's a symphony orchestra plus Hoovers, vacuum cleaners, and floor polishers. That was that was one of the you know, and that was a, that was played very very seriously. And that yeah. was all, that was one of the um, that was one of the the, ver the more the, the, the very well known Hoffman pieces, which actually is performed on its own now quite often. All yeah. not because we, we don't really do Hoffman concerts anymore. But what I I conducted, he wrote a fanfare for. 36 trumpeters uh-huh uh, uh not a brass not a not a brass band but 36, 36 Trump. and uh i conducted that uh at the uh, three years ago i think it was at the um at the uh at the malcolm arnold festival uh here um, there, there's sort of just pure joy in just that concept, though. Just no, it's thirty-six trumpets. This is what this is what you're getting to experience right now. Yeah, thirty-six trumpets. A lot of trumpets. <laughs> yeah, that's on YouTube somewhere as well. I, I'm going to have to look that up. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, there's uh, this gentleman's about in a firing squad of trombones, which oh, that's, I, that, that's a really nice. I, that actually is one of. I think. Do you think that's a great picture? Yeah, I love it. Uh, he, he did a lovely, another, lo he did lots of trombone cartoons, mm -hmm. uh, but, um, 
but just let me just interrupt myself. That picture that you're looking at, uh huh, it's a firing squad. Now, a firing squad is a is a really horrible thing, isn't it? But yeah. Gerard has turned it into something that just, that isn't particularly horrible. It may be very loud. Uh -huh. you, can, you can imagine the noise <laughs> coming out of all those trombones. Uh, but now there are but one the bullets won't be coming out of those trombones. Mm -hmm. Sound, you know, the sound of a trombone, a brass instrument that he loved. That's what would have been coming out of those trombones. He's a lovely, another lovely trombone uh, cartoon. I suspect probably around about the same, the same time of, mm -hmm. a, of a trombonist. But his trombone had an extremely long slide. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the slide was attached, um, I think it's his, his cap. Because he's a he's a busker, he, he he's a street musician, and he's trying. And so what he does when anybody walks past, he that. puts his slide out so that the so that the receptacle for collecting the money is is almost in the face of the pedestrian. It's a great idea. You know? That's just, so good. Uh, I'm surprised nobody's actually built that in real life. Exact, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's only two other musicians I can th that I can uh, think of immediately that I've ever spoken about on this show. Yeah, uh, who have a similar aesthetic, um, and those two would be Spike Jones and a gentleman who called himself PDQ Bach, but his name yeah. is Peter Shickley. Yeah, yeah. Are you familiar that much with either of their Spike work? Spike Jones is great. Um, yeah, uh, a PDQ Bach, Bach. I'm not so much of a an, an expert on, but, mm -hmm. but um, there, there, there have been other people who've been very funny with music. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, Victor Borger. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a superb, superb artist, you know, mm -hmm. very fat and uh, very successful. Um, but, you know, he was around for a long time. You know, he, he built up a, he built up a, you know, a, 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 a very large following based on, his wonderful talents and his abilities and the fact that he was able to engage so so well with an audience mm -hmm. play the piano brilliantly and tell jokes as well um um you know very good very very a lot of time for him uh, i don't know what other um oh yeah peter sellers narrated um one of a short little film of which, which is uh which is uh, my father uh one of his non-musical little books was called birds bees and storks uh-huh and it's a, it, it's 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 just a, a sequence of pictures of a father sitting in an armchair trying to tell his son the facts of life mm -hmm. okay and it it, it with, with little subtitles it, it, it it's 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 very very funny um uh, uh um and pete sellers in fact narrated that rather successfully and it was made into a, a short little film and in that. fact, I used to know, um, uh, I, I, you know, I knew Peter Sellers, you know, because he, I used to play in a band with, with his son, uh -huh. Pete, uh, Mike Sellers. We were great pals. And uh, we used to, this is when I was a, a very young, in my uh, very early teens. And uh, we used to, uh, you know, spend time around, you know, occasionally around at his father's house. Um, uh, I can tell you a few stories there. I uh, bet. Which I won't now because <laughs> they're not really anything to do with Gerald Hoffman. But <laughs> sure. Peter Sellers was, a, was I, I can only say, uh, uh, was an extremely funny man. And, yeah. you know, he was one of the, he was, he was one of the, he was one of the, just thinking of him, 
makes me laugh, you know. There are mm -hmm. people who you just think of them and they make you laugh. Um, yeah. I'm going to need to see birds, bees, and storks because that sounds like, you know, it must have been interesting to have to know that Peter Sellers is reading the words of your father, writing as a father to his children. And so uh, Peter Sellers is not a bad stand-in. I mean, if somebody's going to play your dad, basically, in a thing. Well, he wasn't really playing my father. Sure. He, he was just narrating the... Yeah. the uh, well, if you, if you can get your... You should be able to get yourself a, a, a copy on... I'm going to uh, have to, yeah. You'll find one. You'll yeah. find all those Hoffman books on it because people, the little they they got they're all they've got different coloured little dust jackets. Yeah. They're about, they're about that sort of size. They're small. They're the sort of size of a, a paperback, but with a little hard cover and a little bit thinner. And they've all got they've got different names. There were six little music books. Uh huh. And there were about I think about another six little um, um, sort of non-musical books. Yeah. Uh, he loved cats too. He was a, my father loved cats and, and drew a lot of cats mm -hmm. doing various things. In fact, he, he he did the illustrations for another book, uh, which in fact, my sister and I think we'll probably republish it because That'd once be things once things start to kind of we, we're 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 so sure that people will love to being in, reintroduced to you know Gerard's work that they will want to see these at these these new books which mm -hmm. aren't that old books but they're so they're very they're timeless that's mm -hmm. the word i think that so with regard to the 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 cartoons i mean they are timeless they are as funny now as they were when he did them and that is is the attraction to me yeah. i'm not trying to sort of i'm not trying to sort of convince people that this stuff is you know that was funny in the 1950s and early 60s i'm not trying to convince people that, that stuff is still funny i just want people to have a look for themselves yeah realize that it's it, it, it you know it is and i think yeah. this is and this is the way we can we can do it by by reintroducing it you know as a sort of digital archive uh, yeah we go to you know they, they and they can just spend a bit of time looking at uh, um looking at the stuff I will say as a vinyl collector, I would love to see at some point a record store day release of either something that's never been out there released or at least a re-release of, of one of these classics, if only because I would like to have something new of his to hang on my wall. I just, it is, it's all hangable. By the way, if I could have a wall of just his records, because they're all his drawings, I would. They're gorgeous, you know. Well, that's lovely to hear, but I think you'd probably enjoy even more. I, I know mm. you have an interest in, in uh, records. Uh, but, um, and that, that's your kind of, I guess that's your, that's your niche, isn't it really? Yeah. I don't know why, but yes. <laughs> well, they're, they're very nice records. I, I mean, I find, I used to listen to a lot of records. I mean, I used to have, like all of us, I used to have records. Mm -hmm. Sadly, well, I, I gave them all away and, and I don't sure. really have any regrets because, um, they're I heavy. They live, take a lot of space live, up. I can live, they take up a lot of space and they and they they look great uh i guess uh, if you like uh, but actually they also sound great and i used to have a wonderful i had a fantastic record deck i had a, 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 a if you're are you interested in recording record players as such or oh yeah no i'm always curious about that yeah i had one of these transcriptor decks with a, yes. with a great big uh brass weights and mm -hmm. a rubber belt it was the same one that was in stanley kubrick's clockwork orange oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. They listened to the Beethoven, you know. I don't mm -hmm. know. It was one of those, and I had a Shaw cartridge, and I had these, you know, a quad amplifier. If you listen to that stuff, Hoffnung or 
or otherwise, <laughs> it, it, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. And you have some good speakers to thump it out of. Yeah, of course. I, I, I would, uh, I, I'd feel stupid if I didn't ask you maybe the first comedy record you can remember hearing as a child. I'd love to know what you grew up with because, you know, anybody in England is always going to have a different answer than all the stuff that was over here. What did I... Um, well, as a child, who used to... I mean, I suppose people who were... I mean, I think really children, young children, don't particularly... aren't necessarily particularly aware of, you know, comedians as such. Sure. Sure. Unless they're targeting children. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think one, once I'd kind of grown up a bit, who did I find funny? Well, Peter Sellers. Yeah. Morecambe and Wise. Yeah. Television. Um, uh, funny enough, not particularly Tony Hancock. And uh-huh. Tony Hancock was very, very popular. Maybe yeah. I need to give Tony Hancock another, another, another go. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was there? Um, I'm, I'm, this is ridiculous because there are so many British. Well, people. that's always it. There's there's so many. That's <laughs> and also there are comedians and there are ac- actors who aren't really comedians but are but are funny. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. They're, they're actors, but they tend to they tend to they tend to be in funny films. Yeah. But they're not stand-up comedians. They're not known for being comedians as such. They're known as being actors who make you laugh. Yeah. Which is a slightly different thing. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I've got it. I'm, my mind's going completely sort of. <laughs> no, I mean it's uh, Spike it, Milligan. Spike oh, sure. Milligan. Uh, uh, Spike Milligan. Um, Did you ever listen to like uh, Dudley Moore? Peter oh Cook? God! There we go. I'm sorry. The the two funniest, the two. <laughs> I listened to Dudley Moore yesterday and Peter Cook. Yes. Um, uh. You know, in their various guises, all mm. of them, even when they, even when it started going you know, really uh, blue at the uh-huh. end. Some of that stuff I find, I, I, I mean, I have a, a, a couple of colleagues and, you know, often, you know, we'll, we, well, not often, but every now and again, we'll put on Derek and Clive records and mm-hmm. laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. But if you listen to the old stuff, I mean, if you listen to Dudley Moore playing the piano and doing Benjamin Britten impersonations, mm-hmm. and Peter Pears impersonations, I mean, it's just extraordinarily clever. Dudley Moore, I think, was was one of my icons, and I just the more you if if you mention these guys, I'll I'll flag that. If you flag them up, I'll I can tell you what I think. But I wouldn't. Uh, I, it's quite hard to remember funny people. Of course, no, I absolutely get it, and and honestly, it's even even though I would say I'm trying to think how many I don't know how many English records I have, how many British records even. Well, just name, um, name a couple, name a couple, and I'll tell you if I know who you're talking. About. Let me go to my 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 BBC uh, section here. Yeah, let me yeah. see. I know that I've got. Let's see here. All right, let's see. Nope, that's that's not remotely English or or British. Let's see here. Oh wait, where did it go? Well, we got Python, of course. Of course. So so much so much Python. I you know the ones that always stick out to me are Python, Billy Connolly, yeah, and, John, and John Cleese, and Faulty Towers, and all sure. that stuff. Yeah, that's all very. Faulty Towers was always very funny, and I used to watch it, and I used to laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only show I can think of that's ever released full episodes on vinyl as well. Uh, you could just listen to one on either side. But it, what is also interesting is um, how a lot of British humour perhaps doesn't go down so well in 
the United States. Mm. Would you agree with that? I mean, it depends. American sense of humor is very different. It can can be. be. It can be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, There's, you know, I'll, I'll hear some English comedians say that, you know, Americans don't do irony. It's not true. We just don't do it in the same way or with the same frequency, I would say. But you're right. I mean... That's why I think a lot of uh, uh, people over here who would identify as nerds the second they discover English humor or British humor, they, it becomes a little club. And so for sure, it's not nearly as widely appreciated. No, no. But um, they had, they'll have its clique of followers. and uh, mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, and it's 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 always the stuff that 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 I gravitate to the most, I think, and uh, it's it's very fun to have uh, guests come on to pick something that I've even I didn't even know existed. Like I don't know, somebody picked the not the nine o'clock news, and I had forgotten that was even a show, and they released a few records of that as well. I didn't. It wasn't that funny, I don't think. Um, uh-huh. I not for me, not the nine. O'clock. Sure, but you see, I loved you know I loved the Marx Brothers. Sure. Yeah, you know, the Three Stooges and all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of very, you know, Abbott and Costello, all those guys in America were yeah. extremely funny people. Laurel and Hardy. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, um, uh, Stan Laurel was he was English too, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. Um, he was English, um, but um, that, that I found they're very funny. You know, yeah. you know, slapstick. See, slapstick humor is is wonderful, but. Things that aren't slapstick can be equally, if not funnier, because they're less obvious. For sure. And uh, you know, humor is a humor is a is a very subtle thing, or it can be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be obvious. Right. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but um, it just depends what what you want to listen to, I suppose, and what 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 floats your boat. Um, yeah. Um, who do I find? I'm trying to think who I find funny on television now. Um, uh, I guess you know. I guess I find Matt Lucas funny. Yeah, of course. When he does his impersonations and <laughs> uh, and uh, with David Walliams and the two of them when they work together, that I sure. find that very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we're also forgetting um, uh, contemporary comedy, uh, the Golden Globes. Um, mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he, I find him extremely funny. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, I find him very funny. And he, 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 and uh, he's also a very fine actor, actually. Yeah, and he's done some serious stuff as well. And uh, you know, I, so I've got a lot of time for Ricky Gervais, uh, and, uh, and there's a load of stuff, I guess. But anyway, good. <laughs> uh, let's do this. I would love to please. Um, first of all, thank you for doing the show. That's been, uh, that's that's yeah. the big thing. Uh, second of all, tell people what the website is going to be. If there's any other, I don't know if there'll be any social media, but at least what the website will be. Hey everyone, this is just a quick note. Uh, the date that the website is going live is actually uh, the eighth of November. So just uh, keep that in mind. Thanks so much. There will be a lot of there will be social media attached to it. Okay, good. And the website will be launching at the beginning of November, and it will contain a, <clears throat> a drawing, lots of drawings. Uh, biographical stuff, interviews, little <coughs> little shots of a few little bit little bits of film, mm-hmm. uh, uh, links to links to podcasts, mm-hmm. links to ra- any radio programs that we can access because there have been quite a few programs about Gerard, a number yeah. of programs, and really anything Hoffman. And then you'll, there'll also be a shop where you can buy your favourite Hoffman pictures. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and books later. Will that be hoffnung.co.uk? What's the what's the address going to be? The 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 uh, address is going to be gerardhoffnung.com. Okay, perfect. I will I will make sure to note that. Yeah, um, that's know, wonderful. If you could release it, perhaps a little bit nearer the time. Well, it'll be after. Hopefully, by the time you very kindly said you can put this out a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you do that, um, it should touch wood. It should be out there, you know. So it's exciting. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guarded because you know, once can that, that's the, that's the absolute intention. Sure. And there are various meetings happening between now and then, which are going to just, which are just tying up the, 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 you know, the belts and braces, and um, you know, just getting everything absolutely, um, you know, ready to go. I'll say as an archivist myself and as a comedy appreciator and an art appreciator, this is the kind of website that needs to exist more often for people's work. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to see it when it's out. This is the kind well, of thing. Well, I'm, I can't wait for you to look at it and let us know what you think. And oh, absolutely. Um, Please. Good. Great. And uh, I, well, again, thank you so much for doing the show. It's, it's, it's absolutely been my pleasure. And uh, I'm, sure we'll sp- I'm sure we'll speak again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you all for listening, and as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to P.O. Box 725165, Berkeley, Michigan, 48072. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15-plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!